The Puritan's Guide to Fall Songs Guide. Old Amy Pierce is the only one who still remains. Tonight's song is... Uh, okay, so uh, Paintwork is the next song we're discussing. Uh, it was released September 23rd, 1985 on This Nation's Saving Grace. Saving. Sorry, I took off the G there. Um, basically, this is one of those songs that everybody knows <laughs> who has ever listened to The Falls. Like, oh yeah, Paintwork. Yeah. Right? It's it's known as that song where he accidentally hits record on it, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Actually. That is really funny. Um, so basically, I I was just gonna kind of go. I just have a couple of things. My um, my main thing right now is that I love that the. I hadn't noticed it in a long time. If I did notice it before, but mm-hmm. like basically at the beginning, while Mark's going. Like, they're talking about how the song structure goes. It's like, okay, so we do the two thing twice, right. and then two high ones, two low ones, and then we do that, and we go all the way through. And, and like, somebody else goes, yeah, man, okay. Or whatever. <laughs> so, this is pretty hilarious. I, I love that, like, sort of meta commentary on the on the song. Yeah. Um, and then, the since it is the big thing for this song is, like, Mark... Uh, Throwing in some weird TV sounds. Yeah. Uh, like a science documentary or something. Yeah. So the two things that get thrown in, um, and somebody on Annotated Fall figured this one out, which is, I'm, that's really amazing. Uh, and uh, very dedicated of, of that person. <laughs> so the first one is uh, a TV show that was called Open University. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was an episode called How Do Red Giants Make Carbon? <laughs> uh, and the person actually found the actual date of, let's see. It's, um, so this one was apparently um, Attenborough used to be the speaker for for Open University but oh. he's not on here and the, it says the speaker is Alan Cooper and that this was apparently first broadcast on June 29th 1985 and it was repeated on July 12th 1985 and it may have also been shown between those dates or afterwards okay. so it's a very <laughs> specific episode of this uh and what the person says within the song um is uh well first mark is talking about uh man stopped us at the corner he had a bloody nose and then he opened his jacket and under his vest made out of tracing paper he had chest scars that portrayed aztec life in his horrible and then it gets cut off and there's this guy who says formation of beryllium eight main sequence stars were no good for making carbon in this way. Red giant stars. So that's that's what <laughs> that's what the TV show says. It's just like what the fuck. Um, so that's the first one, and that comes like pretty early on in the song. Yeah. Um, the second one is this is a the theme from. 
a British soap opera that was called Emmerdale Farm, and it ran from 1972 to 1989. So that's quite a long stretch for a soap opera. Popular soap opera. Yeah. So, um, and then basically it's just the theme from that. You can actually look up the Emmerdale Farm theme on YouTube. I'm sure. Yeah, because I did. Because after I found that, <laughs> I was just like, what? And so, yeah, um, that was very interesting. But then also... You, there will be in most fall books. There's at least one section where somebody talks about what happened mm-hmm. um, during this. There's and a lot of notes out there. About yeah, it. yeah. So a lot. So some of these are here in the annotated fall. Um, Simon Rogers uh, says that um, it was half done in my bedroom, and then Mark took the cassette away. He had it in his little dictaphone cassette recorder and sat on it and made a big hole in the middle. But John Leckie, uh, who was, I believe, the... He was the producer. Yeah, producer, engineer, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, was like, what we'll do is put the cassette on the 24 track and we'll play along to it. And then when, uh, then where Mark's rubbed that bit out, we'll start playing. So basically, (laughs) they're playing behind the part that Mark recorded a television on. Yeah. So they just put that original... uh, weird tape thing that Mark had recorded cuz like he had like a a rough mix of it and like mm-hmm. was singing to it yeah um so they're putting that down um let's see and then Lecky actually says later on uh here on the annotated fall uh, it's from a booklet it's the omnibus edition of this nation's saving grace i guess um but he says he had a tune a little synthesizer thing which was on the tape and I think it was one of those cassettes with a record button, and he dropped it, and it started recording in the bag. <laughs> so that interruption is all we could do. It was like, if it doesn't matter, leave it in. Um, and then, yeah, uh, there's also a little thing here where Brick says, like, paintwork in my new house, uh, which is another song from the period, um, are about... They had bought a house in Sedgley Park or something, and that, uh, hey, Mark, you're messing up the paintwork is something that the decorator said. <laughs> like, he had brushed against the paintwork or something. Your thumbprints. On yeah, the he, Mark was like putting his thumb in it all over. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, and then, like, uh, Mark was talking about the lyrics, and basically that they're just like personal things, like, um, about the differences, like the individual versus society and like England versus Europe. Yeah. And then there's like actually some words where he was talking on the phone to his mom. <laughs> and she, she said something like the colonials are monkeys or something like Those that. Those continentals are little monkeys. Continentals, yeah. Not colonials, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, so so there you go. The, the lyrics are like... They they seem to be a little more like about monotony, I would say, like the individual and monotony, and like people are, you know, well, if I, you know, if I would have wanted to, I would have gone to Europe when I was sixteen, but I decided to stay here, and right, and then he's like, well, and then somebody's shouting at Mark, well, why did you put your thumbprint in the paintwork? <laughs> um, so like, yeah, as far as lyrics go, I think. Basically, that's the basic idea. It's kind of about yeah the monotony of living the individual versus the larger culture, England versus Europe. Right. Um, so there's a lot of things like that, like within the song, um, and, and then uh, and then 
the way that's all chopped up is the chorus with, "Hey Mark, you're you're messing up the paintwork." Um, I don't know any anything else like before we start talking more. I guess about the interruptions and <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I. If I, uh, I, you know, the notes that I had found about the song, talking about those those continental, those little continental monkeys, I think uh-huh. it is. Um, those continentals are little monkeys from his from his mom. You're right. Because he was talking about how they had to cancel a tour of Italy that they were doing. Right, because there was some some soccer, soccer riot, riot yeah. yeah, going on, and so, um, and that's why he was complaining about that. Like, oh, we had to, you know cancel this tour and she says oh well you never know those continentals they're little monkeys really right right. and um oh, i guess it was in brussels where they were so they had to like just get out of the country quickly sure. um and yeah i i you know i i think this song i'm very i'm very fascinated about this idea of uh you know england being individuals versus you know the collective europe especially in regards to the news of the day uh-huh. of England wanting to maintain their individuality outside of the EU <clears throat> right. with uh, the Brexit situation. And I always want to know, what did you think of Brexit, Marky Smith? <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, I would imagine he was all for it. I would but... think so. But then it also leads me to wonder about them playing outside of England, about whether they enjoyed that or whether they just saw it as sort of an obligation or just a way to make money. Hmm. Because, you know, they didn't, he never lived anywhere else. You know, he right. he traveled a whole bunch, obviously with the band and probably without. And, you know, they've toured, they toured all over Europe. They toured Iceland early on and, or at least played in Iceland early on. And, you know, there's dozens of live recordings of the band from all over Europe and all over yeah. the U.S. Australia. And Australia. And, yeah. and so, but was that something that they, that he especially was, you know, a fan of or you know enjoyed being a tourist i mean you know he's a he was a fan of history as well as a fan of big science fiction and stuff so right whether that was a part of it or not i don't know yeah i don't know i mean it always seems as if he enjoyed that like i think i don't know like him being him he probably didn't want to be a part of like the whole european union or whatever oh sure and so like that's why he did you know, live in live in the UK or yeah. wherever. But um, then, did he was he looking at these shows both as like this is a way for me to make money because this is the way any band makes money because we're not really selling records. You know, is this a way for us to make money or is this so you know in his more you know angry young man days? Is this his way of like being sort of confrontational towards these people that he didn't really that he kind of despised in some way in other countries, right? I think that's part of it. I think that's all part of it, really. Uh, he's well. He's not. So this is the Bricks period. So he's not as angry, young manish. No, he's a little more mellowed out in that way. Yeah, but he still like doesn't want to deal with people who aren't going to let him do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, but you know, at the, you know, that's interesting. You bring up this the Bricks period too, because that 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 you know, this was like right before the door opened up of them doing stuff with uh, the dance troupe. Yeah, and doing those those theater performances. Right, that's so. right. So that yeah, because this nation saving grace is like the first of those sorts of things happening, yeah. right? And so, mm-hmm. like, was that just you know, was that just the period of him just like opening himself up to these other artistic experiences mm-hmm. and. You know, 
uh, yeah, was Bricks part of that sort of like, you know, sort of feeling good about things and feeling positive and wanting to open himself up to these things, make videos and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it definitely feels that way. Yeah. I mean, from from all the stuff I've read over the years mm-hmm. and recently, it, I mean, he's definitely entered a domesticated Marky Smith phase, you know? <laughs> right. Like, it's domesticated animal phase or something. So, so yeah, I think that, um, I mean, him just being, and him and also them being the fall. Yeah. You know, like they get some fan of theirs who is a dancer and has a dancing troupe and is like, I, I use your songs to make dances to. And they're like, well, hey, let's play together then right. or something, you know? <laughs> um, so, no, it's real. I find it really interesting and I, I really think that he wanted he was one of those people that like wanted he's definitely using rock and roll as his art form mm-hmm. and so if he's able to use that art form in other ways to move out in the arts and make more money yeah he needs a job right um then yeah I think that works out pretty well yeah I I, I just thinking about it now I mean he didn't shut himself off completely from wanting to explore other uh working with other artists you know like he did a song on i think the first cold cut album which oh, came right. out around like a few years after this record yeah that was like came out 90 like 89 90 somewhere yeah. in there yeah and then they in turn like produced some stuff on extricate um and then you know yeah he's guested on tracks by like the in spiral carpets and uh um, right Elastica and uh, the the Gorillas, which I think I mentioned in the last episode, and um, you know the Von Sudenfed record they did with the Mouse on Mars guys, and I think he was on a record of theirs even before they did that one. I think, yeah, I think so. Uh, so he's open to collaboration, but it's just a wonder that it didn't happen more, maybe, or that um, you know I, I I would you know or that like say. He, they played All Tomorrow's Parties a bunch, those festivals. Right. Because they kept getting asked by other bands who loved them. Uh, why didn't anyone ever ask them to curate one? Was he... That's a good question. ...completely turned off from a lot of modern music or, or what, you know? Because, I mean, like with any of those examples that I'm giving... Link Ray was already dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> George Jones wanted nothing to do with him. Right. You know, it, yeah, um... It, uh, you, but that's the thing. I, I think the other thing I need to remember is that with all those examples I gave of, of like uh, collaborations he did, um, each one of those it sounds like sort of them meeting him, like sort of them catering the song to him and the way that he operates as a singer and a vocalist and a lyricist, not oh, the other right. way around. It's not like he's you know switching things up to become a crooner or doing like you know a cover song with you know. Kylie Minogue or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think it's obviously all these people were fans, and I think he was just like, oh, sure, this will be a lark. But, you know, what, uh, and then I want to know, too, and maybe this is something I need to read more about, did he say no to other people as well? Oof. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's it's for me, it's always uh, hard not to read into whenever... Mark is doing lyrics about the individual versus a group like they're right. about him whether it's historical <laughs> like if, whether it's like some history lesson that he's yeah putting down or if it's whether it's like whatever's happening between Europe and the continent or you know or England and the continent um yeah so 
it yeah it is really hard not to read him that way and so when it comes to him like i mean i also think that during this time period they had they almost had to call it quits but for hex induction hour and that was like going to be the end and then all of a sudden hex induction hour becomes really big right brick starts uh, with the band, and so like they start getting asked to do whatever you know, top of the pops or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, so maybe they were just like, "Hey, we're doing this." Like, you know, we don't need. No one else was asking them because they were wanting to work on their own stuff. Yeah, they were a very self-contained thing. Yeah, definitely. So, but I, you know, I just you know, you think about any uh, most other British bands, even ones that came around that era, like you know, they were. I don't know. They seem very open to the rest of the world and like mm-hmm. work, you know, being big music fans and like wanting to collaborate or at least connect with other bands around the world. And I never really got that, yeah, <laughs> that no. feeling from Marky Smith. It doesn't seem that way. I mean, and even like there's the famous interview with him and Nick Cave and somebody else. I can't. Remember. It's like the th- a third person from that time period. Okay, where basically like. Cave and whoever the other person is, sorry, uh, are just kind of smacked out or whatever and talking about <laughs> whatever. And then, you know, Mark is drunk as all hell, like saying how he invented rap music or something, you know, like it's just a, it's a pretty funny, like interview yeah. of the three people, but they're obviously like all fucked up and like just talking about <laughs> talking out of their ass the entire time. Yeah. Um, and but even that sort of dynamic shows that you know I mean Mark always kind of made himself as the individual like right who could talk or who was trying to sh- I don't know trying to give the world something that some of his whateverness yeah where everybody else is kind of like mm, okay <laughs> okay Mark whatever. Um, and, and I don't know. And that's also my just take on Mark too. Oh, so sure. I, I don't know if like, I mean, maybe, maybe he wasn't like that I, all the time. And Who I think knows, he probably man. was really good at painting himself that way. Cause yeah. that was what he wanted to do. So I don't know. And I, that's kind of the portrait that, that that's the, the, the way he was, he was portrayed in the press for so long. And like, how do you not sort of play up to that? Exactly. As you're being interviewed in your 50s plus, you've been doing this for so long, you kind of start playing a role in, in some ways. Well, and there's that too. It's yeah. Like, it's a definite role that he's been given if he didn't come up with it himself right. at first. So so I guess what I'm saying is, yes, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because it, cause it is a good question. Like, I mean, there was it did seem that this was kind of the beginning of him... Working with Lee Bowery and working with uh, other dude whose name I can never remember Me and either. I feel bad about. But, um, you know, the dance troupe. Um, but this is where it's all sort of coming together. Yeah. And, you know, he's getting other people to come in and play. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, you know. Um, but they're coming into his world. He's not going to them. That's I think what, is it is. what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And when he plays with other people, it's that same way, even though it might not be a fall record. Right. If it's, you know, the Inspiral Carpets with Marky Smith, it's the Inspiral Carpets backing Marky Smith. Up. Yeah. It's, not, it's not him coming in there and singing Commercial Rain with them or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, no, totally. So, yeah, it's a really, it's, that's an interesting thing to think about. Um, yeah. And yeah, that I find that strange that 
all those sort of like all tomorrow's parties. Did they never get asked to do one of those? Like, I mean, well, no, they got asked to do them. They got asked to play them by like other bands. Like, like the the one that I was just looking at because Mark Masters posted something on Twitter. Like, of the here's the lineup of um, because it was a it was a rush related thing because we're recording this right after Neil Peart died. Right, right. And uh, he was talking about how in the 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 uh, program that they gave away to people who went to the L.A. Arthur party was, was like. You know, it was Thurston Moore was the curator, oh, and he okay. was like, "Here's your, here's what you need to know to enjoy this." And part of it was, you know, start admitting that you're a Rush fan. <laughs> and so, but he posted like a picture of it. And he's like, "But look at the lineup of this thing." And it was kind of an amazing lineup. Whereas, you know, I wouldn't even get in. I couldn't even remember like ninety percent of the bands. But I did see the Fall in there, oh, and okay. I know they've played other ones. I know they played one of the ones in New York. They played a bunch of the ones in England. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they were obviously there, but and, and like tons of people were Fall fans. But yeah, I always wanted about that did the all tomorrow's parties people ever like say marky smith why don't you put one of these things together yeah, he was probably like weird. fuck you i don't know any ma- i don't know any music you know yeah. <laughs> that's how I, that's how i'm gonna imagine it like yeah just being like everybody i love is dead why yeah. the fuck should i do one of those i don't know if our dean taylor's ever gonna come back or do this for me but i don't know no i yeah so i'm just gonna imagine it just that way yeah i will too i have to deal <laughs> I don't have to think about it. Um, so one of the one of the things. Oh, before uh, before I get into this next thing, uh, Paul, he mentions Paula Yates about yeah. Which, I, which there was a note on the annotated fall because I had no idea, and apparently she was a British TV personality, and not to just say because she's a woman who she was married to because I thought like about doing this like sec- had second thoughts, but yeah, it's interesting. So she was a TV personality, yeah, but she was also. Like married to Bob Geldof, right? For a while, and they had some kids, and then also Michael Hutchins. Yeah, she had a kid while. with Michael Hutchins. Yeah, so yeah, that's just and crazy. She, I had, and then she died of an overdose or something. I think like, so. In yeah, like two thousand. Yeah, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. So no, I was I was just like, oh shit, that's some British uh, trivia I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, that's just weird. And she's you know in this in this lyric, she's written a book about Vespas or something like mopeds. I think it's mopeds. <laughs> Polyates on vision mopeds. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have no idea what the fuck that means, but there you go. Um, I, the only book that I know that she had written is one that I saw online. It was like a photo book, a picture she had taken of pop stars in their underwear. <laughs> and that, I, I figured it was probably like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, if she's a television personality, just think of all the tev- TV personalities we have in the United States. Exactly, have, you've known over the years, and you would, and they're not going to be, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's not going to be any sort of like David Attenborough right. sort of stuff. It's been more right? like Graham Norton kind of thing. Yeah, you know, or that guy who's the horrible guy on the singing shows. What's that guy's name? Whose face deflated after he got... Ryan Seacrest? Uh, no, the no. British guy. Oh, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> Simon Cowell. Simon, that's him. Yeah. His face deflated, and then he blamed it on becoming a vegan. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, you had some bad surgery. Exactly. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's something that should have happened. It was getting Marky e. Smith on the Graham Norton show. 
Oh. Get him on that lineup with a bunch of other celebrities. Get him a couple of he drinks been, in He him. just would have been drunk and been like, ah, fuck off. Or yeah, whatever. he would have yeah. He would have laid into, I don't know, Charlize Theron who's going to promote her new movie. Which I, I, it would have been a situation like Serge Gainsbourg and uh, Whitney Houston, you know? Oh, right. <laughs> Where he's just hitting on her. Yeah, yeah, hitting on a child, essentially. He's like 19. Yeah, well... <laughs> I think that's pretty par for the course Anyway Moving on So uh, The one thing I did want to talk about was This song is famous because of the Of the ways that Mark Interrupts the song Yeah And for me So I can remember the first time I heard this song I was like Whoa, whoa, whoa What just happened? Because uh, I mean people have done this And I'm guessing it was A hat tip to the fall with some of them and sometimes it's just like music concrete sort of ways yes. and they probably wouldn't have even known who Marky Smith was yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, and you can listen to the original rough mix on Spotify of the song yeah it's on like the the beggar's banquet sort yeah. of deluxe version of this record yeah yeah so uh and it's really kind of boring, but what it so like the <laughs> it's true, yeah. But but what it did with the two things where he acts, you know, whatever quotes accidentally not it actually did accidentally yeah, yeah, do yeah. whatever the fuck it was. That's also why I read in those things for the record. It's just like people are like, eh, he could. a lot of this sort of a Rashomon like story yeah, about how that happened. About, yeah, it's kind of it's a very fall esque sort of story. Yeah. Um but. What it does is it completely opens up this song to be way more, way more of something than it was without those weird interruptions. So, like, why did he pick that little piece of, you know, dialogue or that soap opera theme? Mm -hmm. And how come it sounds so great in there? Like... (laughs) I mean, even Mark is like, "Oh, those were all just mistakes." You yeah, know? they just—they you couldn't have planned that, and that's true. And that, that happens yeah. all the time, uh, just in recording or what you know, where like you make a mistake somewhere or something falls, and yeah. you're just like, "Oh, just leave that in." Well, that actually sounded pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, those are some of my favorite little bits about recording in general, like other bands, like hearing those stories about yeah. like, weird accidents that happened. Where I th- there's like one. There's like um, the Midnight Oil song, Power and the Passion. There's like a big drum breakdown solo in the middle uh-huh. of it. And there's like a point where like uh, the drummer smashes like a light bulb, like a lamp <laughs> against the wall. And it's like on the beat. And nice. he didn't mean to do it. And he's like, well, that just sounds great. We're leaving that in. <laughs> and another one, if we're talking about a Manchester band, there's always one that I've always been very. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about something different. Um, there's the Yes song, Owner of a Lonely Heart. Oh, okay. Gonna, we're going to bring up Yes in the fall podcast. Yes. So there's the one point in the he big... He probably liked him. Yeah. <laughs> there's one point in the big guitar solo that Trevor Rabin does in this one where like the the entire guitar solo and song like veers to the left channel for like oh. two, three seconds and then goes back to stereo. Right. And I always wondered like, what what was that? Was that like just a, a mixing accident? That they're like, well, it's actually pretty cool. We'll leave that in. They'll right. throw some people off. Or was it really deliberate? You right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So that's why yeah, I wonder about that. I, you know, I love those little things, and then I wonder about this song, like you're saying, like all those little weird interruptions of like, like you know, about the the you know the choice factor you're talking about, about how much of yeah. this was like very deliberate. Oh, put this in right here. This will be great. Or just like fuck it, I don't know. Hit play on this thing, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and the weird thing that the reason I always think of it as you know a 
a quote unquote accident that he recorded these things is because the course of the song is, Hey Mark, you're you're putting your thumbprints in the paintwork or yeah. whatever. You know, like and that's exactly what he's doing. Exactly. He's completely fucking up the song to add something ridiculous to it. Mm-hmm. But it just it but it makes it adds this other whole incredible level yeah. to everything just by hitting record whether he did it on purpose or not <laughs> i don't know it's just great i don't know i i just finished watching um the alexander mcqueen documentary uh-huh. talking about another british person right right uh if anyone doesn't know a famous fashion designer who uh took his own life maybe a decade or so ago okay um amazing fashion designer like i think whoever were, we can't remember the guy's name the uh the dance troupe that the fall <laughs> right. worked with they would have worked well together if they right. if he designed costumes for them but so much of his uh designs that kept blowing everyone away were such last minute decisions oh, where right. he's like you know there's a there's a scene in it where they're showing him this woman's wearing this like really tight white jumpsuit and then just in a flash he like just grabs a pair of scissors and starts turning the the, the pants part of it into shorts and the woman and this is like when he was working for Givenchy and the woman was like the tailor was like whoa what are you doing and then like five seconds later she's like oh I get what you're doing and it's just these little flashes of inspiration that turn into something really amazing yeah and that's what that that's what I feel like this song reminds me of that's interesting yeah definitely and there's always you know the happy accidents of Eno I guess oh yeah wasn't that who coined happy accidents you know his the oblique strategies sort of thing yeah I love yeah I love those yeah there's a couple of sites where like if I get stuck there's two things if I get stuck writing a song or something Mm -hmm. that I do not that I'm gonna tell anybody where to find them but uh (laughs) (laughs) but one is that I've always liked is uh what would Prince do so that that helps out a lot (laughs) Uh, That's good. I've used several times, but the other is like there's a couple of sites that have oblique strategy it's sort of a randomizer. Yeah. yeah, and so you know you can go there and just <laughs> if you want to really game the system, just keep hitting refresh on it, so it gives you new ones until you're like, yeah, that one. That That's fits. the one. That's yeah. the one I'm going with. Uh, I, I need to do. I need to do like my friend Bo does. Bo Sorensen, who's a uh, record producer and engineer who lives in uh, the Bay Area. He's worked with. Um, worked on the last few Bob Mould records, the last few oh, Super okay. Chunk recordings. Amazing producer, amazing guy. No, the name sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah. so he has, uh, you know, I've, I stayed at his place in San Francisco a couple years ago, and he has, like, on the console that he uses to mix and everything, he has the box oh. of the leak strategies. And, and, like, every day when he's sitting down, he just grabs one and just puts it right up there on <laughs> right on the monitor. I'm like, yeah, that makes I want to do something like that for work, you no, know? Yeah, I, uh, I, I need to get a box of those. Or Same here. make a box. yeah. I'm just too broke most of the time, so <laughs> we'll probably a, just make a box. Just make our own. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but anyway, I think you know whatever. If genius is like chance or what? Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, like the, I think I think this is like up there with genius works for Mark in the fall. And so oh yeah, that's why I know we've I know I've kind of put off doing this because it is like a pretty famous fall song. And because every time, like, I just happened to read a Thinking Fellers uh, Union Local 282 mm-hmm. interview where they were talking about, you know, all the people who 
when they first moved out to San Francisco were like, oh, you guys must listen to the Swell Maps a lot or the Fall or uh-huh. whatever, and they never really listened to any of those people. Wild. Yeah, so it just happened. <laughs> uh, but one of the ones that they did mention within this interview was that uh, paint, they were like, oh, you know, that song where they break it up with the weird, like, interruptions from television, that song Paintwork is mm-hmm. really amazing. Like, there's one of them, whoever it was, was like... yeah. I love that song. So, so it's it's. Uh, I think I think that this song just becomes one of those songs for lots of people. Where yeah. they're just really amazed by it. I so. think I think this is this for this song, and maybe um, maybe L.A., maybe Damo Suzuki. But I think like this song in particular is what really I think elevates this out al- the whole album in people's minds. Right. So wanted to, people keep calling this, and I think even I did when I wrote a list about the records their best album right and I think it's because of this because it's that mixture of really strong song craft and then really fucked up experiments like this one you know what I mean yeah no I think that's absolutely correct I think it was just at the right time with as they're moving into pop and like yeah it's not the like sort of staid 90s stuff where it's just like the same yeah you know they play one riff throughout the song and and kind of I don't know yeah phone it in but sometimes do yeah and it's also just like it's it's at the end of the the it comes after like that big vibrant post-punk period the late 70s early 80s yeah and then a lot of those bands who were making these really dynamic amazing records were uh starting to smooth out their sound and get a little more commercial and start you know embracing more pop elements sure like the fall eventually did and so I think they were kind of holding on to this a little bit. And I think with the, one of the other tracks we talked about, I am into CB. It's kind of that same way where they were holding on to that some sort of right. that same sort of experimental sound of just you know messing with these formulas in interesting ways. Yeah, Have I guess. You, go oh, ahead, so, please. No, oh no, I was just going to say. I guess the two of the songs we're talking about this time are from that same period. Yeah. for some reason, I, probably because you know it's a good period it but, is yeah. good yeah um but no that go ahead sorry that's all um, I was say. have you heard barbara manning's cover of this song no i didn't even know she did one yeah i i think it, it was for a fall tribute album of some kind that came out huh. maybe in the late 90s like when she was like at around the peak of her popularity maybe so maybe yeah. even earlier than that um, you know, after like one perfect green blanket, yeah. got a lot of press, and then she did some stuff for Matador. So it was right around that era, and she did a version of this song that's really great. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I don't know. I've so uh, yeah, big. I think we've talked about this before, but I'm big Barbie Man again. Yeah, me too. So I knew about her New Zealand like stuff, but yeah, and I know you know Marky Smith and Bricks was one of her songs. But yep. No, I didn't know that she had done it. Or, or yeah, she does a really nice version of this well, one. Really, I will it's, have to check it out there. Yeah, she takes it in her own way, which I really like. Sort of like more like the um, what was the project she was in? Oh, can't think of this. She was, there was like a, there was like a noisier project she <laughs> yeah. was in with one of the guys who behind Banana Fish, I think. Oh, right. The glands of external yeah, excretion. Excretion, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I have... I Well, I, I don't think I have that record anymore, but I have at least a couple of singles that she did under that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was from the guy from Banana Fish. Seymour name, Glass. Yeah, yeah. The name, yeah, that was his thing. Because um, I remember I got that in uh, Brian Hageman album. Around, my oh, friend, yeah. My friend Matt had gotten those albums, and they're basically the same sort of thing, yeah. like lo-fi. It's called Mr. Hageman. Uh, it's also really good. But... Um, so no, that that makes sense. And then she was in like, yeah, I have a it's just like she was in a bunch of like bands. Like oh yeah, like it's several. I've got like 
her covering Lefty Frizzell song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I saw her, I saw her a few times. And there's that uh, that great seven inch she did of songs about baseball where she does uh, right, Joel yeah. and Joe DiMaggio and a, a song that she wrote about um, Doc Ellis. Right. The no hitter on LSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, I hope Barbara's doing well. Uh, from, uh, from everything that I've heard, yes. Yeah, she's, okay. she's got married a few years ago. She's just in a good spot. Oh, right? okay. Um, um, so yeah. the uh, if you want to look this up, it's a record from 2004 called "A Tribute to the Fall," perverted by Mark E. Oh, okay. Um, and it's got uh, Preston School of Industry, which is the, one yeah. of the guys from Pavement, uh, Black Eyed Snakes, which is I think one of the guys from Low is in that group. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Chris Brokaw from that band Come, and Jeffrey Lewis in the Junkyard makes sense. He's written yeah, yeah. he's written some songs about Marky e. Smith. And uh, yeah, and it's Barbara Manning and the Golock. He's doing paintwork. And actually, the song before that is a band doing Barbara Manning's Marky e. Smith and Bricks. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, interesting. No, I, I like Preston School of Industry too. Yeah, which is actually here. like based on a fall song title, yeah. if I remember correctly. That's yeah. right. 